You're listening to St. Joseph, a four-part series on the foster father of Jesus Christ. This podcast is produced by the Augustine Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. I'm Taylor Kemp, Platform Manager of Formed, and with me is Dr. Ben Akers, the Executive Director of Formed. We are back for our fourth episode in our series of St. Joseph. I'm all sad. It's coming to an end. Well, we're going to have a show together called Formed for Mission. That's we're true. We're going to have conversations about Joseph. Are we still going to talk about Joseph? If we want, yeah, if it so comes up. We're going to call it Formed for Mission, but it's no, really Formed for Mission. About yeah. Joseph. Well, in Formed for Mission, <laughs> we're going to talk about the things that have to do with living the Christian life. Yes. And especially in this year of Joseph, going we've, Joseph. we've been thinking about Joseph in a particular way. We've been praying with Joseph. I've been, yeah, so I, I think that, you know, it'll have a Josephite theme. I like it. Yeah. All right. So today... In the fourth part of our four-part series, the end of it, we are talking about St. Joseph under the title of Patron of the Domestic Church. Last week, we talked about uh, Patron of the Universal Church. Uh, In the second episode, we talked about him as Guardian of the Redeemer. And in the first episode, we talked about him in contrast to the Old Testament Joseph. So why don't we start with, uh, can you just walk us through what is the Domestic Church? Yeah. Well, the Domestic church is related to the universal church. Domestic is just, you know, a fancy word for our house. Yeah. So the the church that's in our home, the church with our family situation, whatever that may look like. If you're in a married relationship with children that are young or children that are old or married relationship and you don't have uh, children, mm-hmm. you have blessed with children, or maybe your spouse has died. So there's mm-hmm. different ways that the the church has lived out at home, but it's basically how do you live your church? How do you live your Christian faith when you're not in the physical building of church? So is what you're saying that church is not supposed to just be lived in the church walls on Sunday. That's right. I mean, one of the, there's a Christian sociologist, Catholic sociologist named Christian Smith who is teaches at the University of Notre Dame and he just recently came out with a work where he's looking at, he's been studying this for decades, and he looks at the kids who are raised in a, in a home where faith was important, mm-hmm. a faith-filled home, and do they keep the faith when they grow up? This is the question. Just the question that everyone's asking. Right. My kids, I raised them Catholic, I sent them to Catholic school, but they don't right. go to church anymore. What, what happened? And Christian Smith said that he himself was surprised by the results of this, and just in summary, and just uh, he discovered that the families where the children were raised in some kind of faith situation and they grow up and they keep that same mm-hmm. faith, the one defining factor was whether or not the family talked about God on a day that wasn't Sunday. I mean, that makes so much sense when you just think about how kids are brought up because they just receive everything. I mean, they, yeah. they start to kind of create things around themselves as they age, but they receive language, they receive habits, they receive the traditions of the family, they receive all of these different things. So it makes perfect sense that what is lived at home it in so many ways, not necessarily determines, but influences. Impacts. Yeah, the way that you're going to impact. So if you're talking about sports all the time yeah. at the dinner table, or if you don't have a family meal, because yes. you just started having a family meal, what, do you, what are the things that you talk about? Is it TV shows? Is it sports? What's important? And so this study demonstrated that if faith is important on not just for one hour on Sundays, mm-hmm. that influences the children and their formation. It's and, and even today, because the culture is getting more secular, it's like even to get an hour on Sundays now is quite a victory in some sense. Right. But that it's like it, for what the Christian life is meant to be, which is all encompassing, it's like, yes, yeah, Sunday is a, a high point of worship, but 
you're like preparing for it throughout the week. You're living it at home. So yeah, faith has to be the transforming force of our life. It has to be yes. the thing that changes the way we look at the world, yeah. that changes the way we make decisions in the world. And so to go back to your question of what is the domestic church is, what is, we can say, what is the church? Right. The church is the place where we encounter God and where we worship him with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. So what is the domestic church? What's the church in our home? It's a place that we should encounter God, where we worship God with our brothers and yeah, sisters. just regularly, like built, not built into, it's just weaved into the day. And it gets to the point where that's completely normal. And then mm -hmm. you have kids who are just, they're drinking deeply of this. So um, why, why is Joseph the patron of the domestic church? So we look at Joseph's life, and I want to go back to something I mentioned before, and it's on formed. It's, it's called the Litany of St. Joseph. It's this beautiful prayer where we go through different titles of St. Joseph, and three of the titles in particular relate to Joseph being the head of the domestic church. Mm -hmm. uh, we say that he's the head of the holy family, and we say, pray for us. Glory of home life, pray for us. Pillar of families. Mm -hmm. So even in the Litany, which doesn't have that many titles, 30-something titles, three of those mm -hmm. are focused on family life. Yeah. And the reason for that is he was the head of the holy family. Right. So God, the father chose him from all eternity to be the man that would marry Mary mm -hmm. and be the foster father of his son. Yeah. And it's so interesting that, um, when God ordained this plan for him to enter into the world and, and begin the work of, of salvation or bring it to completion, um, you know, he comes through Mary in the, the virgin birth, but he could have, had this be brought about, so to speak, in any way, yet he still, he chooses that he enters the world through a family. It's through Mary, yeah. but he still chooses there to be a family. And it just makes you reflect on the place of marriage kind of in the, yeah. in, in all of salvation history. You think about it, the story of salvation history begins with a marriage or a family with Adam and Eve. And then we get to the new Testament and the son of God comes into the world through a family. He's raised in a family with a with a mother and a father. Um, and then you get to the book of Revelation and and the eschaton is talked about with the bride and the bridegroom. And it, it's a family affair, like through yeah. and through. Um, so. Uh, so I mean, it makes sense of why mm -hmm. this, this is the thing that is the most under attack by Satan. Right. Because yes. this is one of the narrative is the narrative of, of yes. the grand narrative of scripture. So we can see why Satan is just, you know, yeah, hammer and tong after, after yep. the, the family. So let's talk a little bit more about that in that litany, uh, Joseph as um, head of the household. Yeah. Uh, because this is interesting because as we said, Jesus came into the world through Mary. We say that Mary is the immaculate conception, that um, after her is there's no greater saint, so to speak. But it's interesting that the angel comes and reveals many things to Joseph. And, and when you look at the Holy Family, you have three options the Immaculate Conception, conceived without sin, the Son of God, and you have Joseph. And yet it's Joseph that is God chooses to communicate what needs to happen to him. Yeah, Matthew's Gospel, he, uh, he sends the angel, God sends the angel to him to tell him, you know, you need, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife and name this name child, child Jesus, which, bring him into your family, right. adopt him, legally adopt him into the line of David. And then other dreams, uh, there are four dreams in, in the scriptures. You know, go to Egypt, mm -hmm. return from Egypt. Don't go there, go here. And and so it is, God chooses Joseph mm -hmm. and entrusts him with this incredible task of being uh, the spouse of the Immaculate Conception, yeah. of being the foster father, the shadow of the heavenly father, the eternal father to his son. Yeah. And it, it's a mystery. He's, it's someone who is in the 
you know, in the order of existence and being is subordinate to right. Mary and Jesus, yet he's been entrusted to to be the head of the family. Yeah, so we can see there a little bit of a role versus like um, level of holiness, so to speak. Like Joseph isn't holier than Mary or, or Christ, yet he is given this task. And so we can see in that uh, the role of fatherhood uh, in leading the family, that it's it's not about like who's holier, who does it's it's there are specific roles that are for specific people within the family. Um, and we see Joseph leading the mm -hmm. Holy Family into Egypt, out of Egypt. Um, do you want to maybe making decisions? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to maybe talk about, um, I guess, really, what does that mean yeah. that the father is the head of the family? Yes. So as sometimes a father. as a father, <laughs> well, what happens is sometimes we hear these, these phrases, roles, responsibilities, yeah. and it, this, this makes people uncomfortable. Right. So let's look at just the Holy family and then apply it to our own family. So, you know, we'll just say, what did, how does this might apply to our own family? Like in roles? Well, the father and mother both have a special role mm -hmm. in the formation of their children, because as you mentioned, that's where you're going to learn how to talk, mm -hmm. how to walk. Uh, Joseph's going to teach Jesus along with Mary of, you know, how to give a good day's work, right. uh, how to treat women, mm -hmm. how to treat men, how to interact with other human beings, how to pray. Yeah, how to These, sacrifice. Just think yeah. of our own lived experience in a family how of worship. everything yeah. our parents taught us. That's what Joseph and Mary both do for mm -hmm. Jesus. And this is what parents uh, are called to do as well for their children in their domestic church. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to lead prayers to help their children encounter Christ, to encounter the triune God. They're called to even give blessings to your children. Um, you know, I, my wife and I love blessing our children uh, before bed, and it doesn't have to be a special prayer. We do say a prayer from Numbers chapter six, may the Lord bless you and keep you, may his face shine upon you and always be gracious to you. May lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Mm -hmm. But you can say just Jesus bless my daughter because she had a really rough day today. And mm -hmm. you just, you know, there's many different ways that you can approach this. What, what, what else do parents do? They teach virtue. Yep. They teach the same thing. Okay, you're being unjust to your sister by X, Y, Z. You're being unkind. And so training and discipline and virtue, that's and also they, something and parents they model do. it. And they right? model like it. That's yes. Kids take in both words and deeds. And so the call to um, discipline one's child or to instruct them in virtue is first and foremost a call for for the parents, for the husband, the, the mothers and fathers to be that themselves, to to offer mercy to each other, to offer kindness to each other, mm -hmm. to be patient with each other, and then to also teach that. And then that is how a child is, so to speak, formed. Right. And so being that Jesus is perfect and we we see in the gospel in Luke, it says that he was obedient to them and he, he grew in stature and in wisdom, that there's this development in the Christ child. Well, it's perfectly it makes complete sense that he he's learning that from watching his dad and watching his mom and, and seeing how they interact with each other and, and with him and um, that Joseph is modeling that as a father of yeah, manhood. Yeah, exactly. And it's mind blowing that this is the way that God wanted yeah. it to happen. He's right. He could have just come snap the finger, saved yep. us from it's, our sins or come as fully as an adult, which yep. just he and Mary. But no, he wanted this to be the situation in which yeah. his son was born. Something that I, in, in light of um, Joseph is head of the household and, and talking about this, and yes, these are often like kind of, they can they can make us a little uneasy when we talk about this, that the father is the head of the family. But let's look at how Joseph lived that out. And something that Pope Francis talks about in Patris Corday in his encyclical that we recommend uh, to anybody who wants to read it. He's talking about uh, or reflecting on Joseph as most chaste. And, and he says of this, um, 
Chastity, and this is in uh, paragraph seven, section seven, chastity is freedom from possessiveness in every sphere of one's life. Only when love is chaste is it truly love. A possessive love ultimately becomes dangerous. It imprisons, constricts, and makes for misery. God himself loved humanity with a chaste love. He left us free even to go astray and set ourselves against him. So what you can see when we say Joseph is most chaste, we, we mean that uh, obviously within the sexual realm, but there's also an entire ordering of Joseph where he is not possessing his child, the, the Christ child or Mary. He is putting his life at service and leading them into a freedom. And then that's the role of a husband, but also a mother. But the husband as head of the house puts himself, that means he puts himself at service Mm-hmm. To, the, to the family and that his role is to lead his children and his wife into authentic freedom or a proper exercise of their freedom. Um, and it's this complete, like, they're not mine. And that's that's always a temptation, right? Like the, well, my wife is mine or my kids this, and, and you get upset when they're not obeying you. And truly your role is to put yourself at their feet to serve them into freedom and to not exercise out of like a, a grip of pride or a desire to control kind of a thing. What we see in Ephesians yeah, uh, chapter five yep. with St. Paul, where he says, look, this is the mist. I'm talking about the mystical truth of the church, yep. but he uses the analogy of the bride that mm-hmm. the church is the mystical bride of Christ as the bridegroom. And he says, you know, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. And how did Christ love the church? He was betrayed, he was denied, he was beaten, he was scourged, he was crucified. That's the kind of love. Mm-hmm. And uh, a marriage will thrive mm-hmm. when there's this mutual kind of self-gift to the other of, right. and and service of the other. Um, but it takes it's sacrifice and self-denial and that's difficult. And this is what Joseph had to do in his own life. He had to, you know, he had a particular plan of the way that he saw that his marriage to Mary would play out. Mm-hmm. And it's the Lord throws this incredible divine wrench in, yeah. in this plan. The divine wrench. <laughs> the divine yes. wrench. And, but it changes everything. And he says, yes, yeah. he's a, he's a man who says yes. And he's a man who says is, is obedient. And also looking at Joseph as the head of the Holy family, his whole life was centered on Christ. Mm-hmm. His whole life was oriented to honoring Mary. That, that's what our family should look like too, is Christ, focused and centered on Christ and honoring Mary. And, and you think about their union of heart and will there in, in Ephesians that uh, Christ did this for her sanctification. So it's like, it, it's kind of this, we're all going at the same thing here. We're all going at the same thing. And uh, Joseph as patron of the domestic church, he was united in, he, he was at service of his son's mission. He was at service of protecting the virgin. He was, he put his life at service and we Mary did the same thing. Christ did the same thing. But Together, they were all about the same thing, which what a message for for families today that the home, the domestic church, is meant to be ordered uh, of one mind and one will towards God, but, you know, then an umbrella that falls into a bunch of other things. Right. No, that's so hard. And this is what we pray in the Our Father, thy will be done on earth Mm -hmm. as it is in heaven, that our entire lives as Christians should have as the theme, as the prayer not mine, but thine will be done, O Lord. Mm-hmm. And if we do that, if we have husbands that are serving God in that way, if they have wives serving God in that way, and husbands and wives who serve, they want to make God's will, of course the children are going to see right. that and want that and be graced in, in witnessing that. Yeah, so um, I, I thought that we could maybe just end a little bit um, 
maybe with a little reflections on just some of the virtues that we've seen come out mm-hmm. in Joseph through these four episodes or new ones. Um, and then just maybe uh, let's just talk about what what can this mean today? How can this transform transform our homes? How can we go to Joseph uh, and ask for these virtues uh, for what men need, what fathers need, but also what um, women need, what what mothers and spouses and um, what can we learn from Joseph? So for it, me, go ahead. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so the, again, to return to the litany of St. Joseph, and I, I mentioned it's, it's on form that it's only two minutes you can pray it along That's with great. Dr. Bloom's reading it. Um, but in the litany, the virtues of what are necessary for the Christian life and the family are present. Mirror of patience. Terrible. It's <laughs> <laughs> so hard. Checklist, right? Make no, this an examination so of conscience. Yeah. Right, because th- this it's is hard. what he's, we can look to him for patience. And, and patience is to like, uh, give me, you can give me the proper definition if I mess this up a little bit, but it's it's kind of an endurance in the face of difficulty, mm-hmm. and right, you just and how many times do we see Joseph do that? There's just difficulty all over the place, yeah. and he doesn't react rashly. He waits on God, and then he he kind of just pushes through difficult situations without letting himself get too thrown off. Yeah, how bad do we need that? No, when your I, kids I, are going nuts. Or... I know this incredible trust in providence. Yes, I don't know what's going to happen next, but today's troubles are sufficient for the day, yeah. and so. Um, I just trust you, Lord. You know, we could say to return to the Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. To, yep. I need this today. Another virtue is lover of poverty, yeah. and we all have different you know, levels of of income. Uh, we all need to be detached from those goods. We need to not be attached to the things of of life. But uh, especially if you're blessed with a large family, uh, there might be times where you just have to deny yourself things for the sake of the family. Right. Yeah, so. and not to think that you're you're like not pleasing in God's eyes or that you're less because yeah. of this. And that, that's difficult because we live in a very material society. And so... Well, God actually came and chose to become poor. Right. So he, he shows us that this is what I like. And like, you yeah. know, living by the daily bread, that, that, that is a difficult thing to do. Um, I think of immediately humility. Mm-hmm. Like Joseph is so humble uh, and he puts his life at the service of others. And that is what all of us are called to do in the Christian life, most specifically in our family. Well, first to God, specifically to our family, and then, of course, in service to other people. Yeah. But that is a humble disposition. And to recognize in the most fundamental sense, we are we are beggars before God who are waiting on his guidance, his mercy, his grace, and that it is from that place of humility that then you can be elevated to not earthly greatness, but true greatness in God's eyes, right? We see yeah. that in the Magnificat for Mary, and we see yeah. that in Joseph, that in his humility so many times, he's then called by God to have this intimate uh, role in the plan of all of salvation, which is just really amazing. Yeah, I know it is. And, and I encourage you to pray that litany, but it goes through the model of workmen, solace of the afflicted, mm. hope of the sick, patron of the dying, terror of demons. These are all things that are necessary to our Christian life, but also within the, the life of a family. Yeah. I, the litany of St. Joseph, it's, it's a wonderful spiritual practice uh, to, to get in the habit of doing. And it's because it is through prayer that we, our, our minds and our hearts are changed and we receive from God, what we need. And these are all, Joseph embodies so many virtues that uh, you said that the family's under attack by the devil. For sure it is. And it's like, we need these virtues. We need these powers. We need these habits in the family to have good families, to keep our kids in the faith. But for all, the the desire as a domestic church is for the whole family to be together going to God. Mm -hmm. And if we want that to be a reality, we need these virtues. And Joseph has them all. Mary has them all. And St. Teresa of Avila, you quoted last time, said, well, we go to particular saints for particular things. St. Anthony, when I lose something, but it's St. Joseph we can go to for anything that we absolutely need. He's mm-hmm. ready to answer those prayers. Yeah, it, it, so I'm so glad we did this series and I'm glad that we ended with families because this is what um, we need. We need 
St. Joseph as a uh, as our patron of the domestic church. So uh, thank you all so much for journeying with us through these four sessions. It was a joy for us to do, especially in this year of St. Joseph. Um, it really has been just such a pleasure. So we hope that this uh, can give you some food for thought and some reflection material and increased devotion to this incredible saint. I pray that we all grow in devotion to him uh, throughout this year and that he can protect the universal church, protect the family. Um, yeah, we are looking forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and thank you for joining us. You can watch this series in video format by visiting formed.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.